Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 470 of the RV podcast. And this week, we're going to have RV news. We're going to have your questions about the RV lifestyle, some tips. And we're going to have an interview about a solo woman RV traveler's experience of life and work on the road. Well, hi, everybody. It's great to see you this week. And if you uh, are watching on uh, on YouTube, you know that the chair next to me is empty and that my lifelong traveling companion and my bride, Jennifer, is not with me this week. Uh, for those of you listening to the audio version, you're not going to hear her pleasant little voice because it's uh, it's hard for her to talk right now without coughing and uh, and she's pretty fatigued. Uh, just to uh, get that out of the way so you know what's up, if you remember the last time we talked, uh, we mentioned that we weren't going to be on last week because Jennifer had uh, what was supposed to be routine a mu- routine medical procedure. And uh, it was supposed to be an outpatient, but it was it's actually a, the, the scheduling was such that we couldn't record the podcast. We had to get to the hospital, which was across the straight state from us here in Michigan. And um, it was supposed to be no big deal, right? Routine, 1% complication right. That's what they said. So um, we went, and um, Jennifer is a one percenter because uh, not only did there was there a complication, but it was, it was a pretty major one. Uh, in the midst of a little procedure, I guess no procedure of the heart is little. This was a heart ablation in which they... Uh, use uh, uh, kind of like a, a microwave catheter, RF catheter that sort of burns a spot in the heart that was producing uh, a, a rhythm that was not a healthy rhythm, not a consistent rhythm. Um, and it's called an ablation. Uh, and that's what you're supposed to have. It sounds, I guess, like I say, everything in the heart is complicated, but it's a pretty routine uh, uh, procedure that was supposed to be outpatient. Well, in the process of this routine procedure, somehow uh, the um, the team that was performing this uh, perforated her heart. And when I asked, what does that mean? It, it means they, they punched a hole in her heart by mistake. And as a result, um, there was quick and massive blooding. Her blood pressure dropped uh, precipitously to a, a dangerous level. Uh, they had to uh, drain that blood out. Uh, and uh, she was on a ventilator for 27 straight hours. And this routine procedure uh, ended up being anything but, and she was in intensive cardiac care at uh, the hospital for uh, most of last week. I brought her home over the weekend, and she is uh, weak and fatigued, but uh, in pretty good spirits from having that ventilator down her throat. She has a really bad sore throat and and kind of a cough, an irritating cough from that. That's getting better every day. Um, Bottom line is uh, we we expect her to be back with you uh, next week, but she is not here this week. She was going to come down and just, you know, look at the camera and stuff, but 
um, she she really does get tired off, uh, tired very quickly. Uh, she did lose a lot of blood, and that's got to kind of get built up. And anyway, it was a heck of a week. So uh, that's why Jen is not here. And I think it's the first time when I first started this podcast. You know, eight nine years ago, I did I think three or four episodes alone, and then she joined me, and she has been with me ever since. Uh, so this is the the first time in years that uh, she has not been here, but uh, hopefully she'll be back next week, and that's our that's our plan. Uh, it is now November, one more month uh, till December, and then it's the holidays, and then it's the start of 2024. This is prime time for many RVers to start making their trip south or southwest to get in uh, snowbird territory in those states where it doesn't get below freezing and there is sunshine. Uh, there's usually um, two big waves. One of them is right around and just after, th uh, just after uh, Halloween. And that's the one that it starts in early October and then it really picks up after, uh, after Halloween. And then that tapers off in mid-November People, uh, a lot of people elect to stay with family and home near home bases during uh, during the holidays, Thanksgiving and Christmas, and then right after the first of the year, the second big wave comes, and uh, so the snowbird migration is underway. For the rest of you, this is time uh, if you're in a northern state where the temperature routinely gets below uh, freezing, it's time to make sure your RVs are winterized. Uh, in fact, we're doing that with uh, with our RVs uh, next week. We will probably get both of them winterized. And, you know, uh, we still camp. We camp every month of the year. But uh, in the very cold months, if we're in the northern climates, we, we camp with it being winterized and we bring our own water, our own drinking water. That's about the biggest challenge that there is uh, to using your RV in the winter. We're working on a book on winter camping, which we hope to have out within the next uh, few weeks. And uh, if you've never tried winter camping, we urge you to do so. It is a lot of fun. Speaking of a lot of fun, the RV Lifestyle Facebook group is approaching now 250,000 members. Can you believe that? It has become a great source of uh, information and advice and uh, tips for people new and old to the RV lifestyle. Wendy Boyer is uh, the community manager for our Facebook uh, group, and she heads up a team of moderators who help keep everything helpful and, and on, a, on a happy note. And uh, she files for us every week the social media buzz, what people are talking about on our Facebook group. Hi, everybody. Sharon and Terry were camping last week in Tennessee when they saw a really unique travel trailer, snapped a picture of it, and shared it in the RV Lifestyle Facebook group. So this travel trailer looked like a big steel metal can of beans. And the reason why is it was part of a promotion that Bush's Bean ran over the summer where the winner of this contest got a free camping trip in this particular travel trailer. So this picture got everybody talking, um, and it was a really fun post to read. Uh, some members of our group had actually entered this contest. I mean, a free camping trip in a can of beans travel trailer. I mean, how fun is that? Um, and others just, you know, had different comments about it. And uh, one of my favorite was this, someone who said, this gives new meaning to the phrase living in a tin can. Isn't that true? And then next I'd like to share with you a post from Mary Lou. So Mary Lou said, what three things do you carry in your RV? An air fryer, a crock pot, and a 
So Mary Lou was trying to remember a post that she had seen previously where someone had said there were three things every RVer should carry for their kitchen. And she remembered the air fryer, she remembered the crock pot, but she couldn't remember the third item. Well, this also got hundreds of people talking and it was really fun to see what people considered essential. We got some Instapots, some griddles, some portable grills, an ice maker was a really common one, uh, but my favorite was a coffee maker. To me, that is essential. And then finally, I'd like to share with you a fun post from Karen. So Karen said, what are some phrases you wouldn't understand unless you were an RVer? I'll go first. A class A toy hauler just arrived. It's massive. So this post got hundreds of responses as well, and people just had a blast sharing these phrases that our viewers use all the time without thinking twice about it. And some of them were, fill the honey wagon and dump, plug in the watchdog, don't step on my stinky slinky, boondocking at the cracker barrel, and on and on it went. Uh, again, super fun post, and it does make you realize our viewers, well, we have our own language. That's it for me this week. I'm Wendy Boyer, and I'll see you over at the RV Lifestyle Facebook group. All right. Thanks, Wendy. Always fun to listen to what everybody's talking to. And if uh, you're not a member of the Facebook group, just go to rvlifestyle.com slash Facebook, and you can join right up. All right. When we come back, uh, we have a, a great interview with a, a woman who has uh, lived alone and traveled alone for some time now. Uh, she works and travels all by herself in her RV, and uh, she just has had a, a great experience out there and is going to share a little bit about life uh, on the road, working and uh, traveling and enjoying it all for a solo traveler. If you've ever wondered about uh, how that works out, stay tuned. You'll hear about that interview. Uh, right now, we're going to take a quick break. I want to tell you about uh, some new property that is going up for sale in Tennessee, uh, not far from where we bought, if you know, two years ago, two years ago, right about this time, Jennifer and I bought five acres in mid-Tennessee at a place called the Woodlands. And over the last two years, uh, the Woodlands had a lot of other pieces of property. And like us, RVers from around the country bought hunks of land and uh, we've got quite a community going, but that project sold out. And uh, we're happy to uh, be able to tell you that the same company that developed that uh, Tennessee Land and Lakes has now developed another project very close to the woodlands, about 20 miles, uh, 20 miles, I don't think it's 20 miles, but maybe a 20 minute drive away from, from where we are. We got a tour. Um, you can find that on our YouTube channel if you go to our RV Lifestyle YouTube channel. But um, we're going to tell you in uh, this uh, commercial break here all about a brand new development called the Reserve at High Forest, and it's in mid-Tennessee. There is a new development coming on the market for RVers in Tennessee. It's built by the same company we bought our land from. We just went to look at it, and it is amazing. Mountaintop property, great views, big woods and trails close to the Buffalo River, like our property. Gorgeous countryside. It's only a few minutes from the Natchez Trace Parkway and an easy drive to Nashville. These are big properties, five acres and up, and the prices are great. There's even financing. We are really happy with our property. These guys do a great job. It's hard to find acreage where you can have an RV full time, especially in popular destination spots. 
This is your property, your way. There's electric and high-speed fiber optic internet. No more crowded parks or reservations. You can stay as long as you want. Go to rvlands.net. That's rvlands.net. Okay, now the next sale at the Reserve at High Forest is coming up on uh, Saturday, November 18th. And you can get more information or you can book a tour. Uh, go to rvlands.net. That's rvlands.net and uh, find out all about that. Well, for years, Terry Rostberg uh, worked as the executive director of a hospice company. Now, you can imagine what a stressful job that was. And she saw many people at the end of their life and got a chance to talk to them. And she said um, not one of them wished that they had worked more. Uh, she said many of them said they waited too long to retire. And uh, she was determined that that would not happen to her. So Terry retired at the age of 57 and she set out to explore the country in a 21-foot, 2016, uh, R190 popular road truck, small little camper van motorhome. And uh, she was uh, uh, used, because um, she was, was not getting Social Security at the time, so she had to work, f uh, find some work. And so she worked uh, and, as a volunteer and then as a work camper at various places around the country, um, from Yellowstone, the Grand Canyon, to Alaska, to a whooping crane refuge in te Texas, other places. And she's been all over and she's enjoyed every minute. We get so many questions from potential solo travelers, people who want to travel, but they're, they're alone or maybe they have a pet with them. And we just thought after meeting Terry at our recent um, Music City meetup that we had in Nashville, we just thought it'd be very encouraging to have her come on the podcast and share a bit of her story with you. So welcome to Terry Rostberg. So tell us about why you decided to retire early. And was it really because of what you saw in your hospice work? Well, you know, people would reflect on the end of their life and you never, ever heard anybody say, I wish I'd have spent more time working. So, <laughs> Yeah. Usually it's travel plans, you know, they maybe retired at 65 and were planning to travel and then got a cancer diagnosis. I was even seeing some of the people that I've worked with um, get cancer and they were younger than me. Um, so yeah, I, I just, you know, wanted to have a good work-life balance and didn't want to have any regrets. So I figured I could always go back to work. Well, uh, I'm curious because you kind of have worked all the way through this, but oftentimes as a volunteer. How did that come about? Well, sometimes people do say, when are you going to retire? And I said, I am retired. This is fun. You know, this is my hobby. This isn't work to me. And most people that do work camping, I don't think feel that it's work. You know, they're going places they enjoy going. Um, I feel like I'm living places I could never afford to live otherwise. I mean, you know, unless you're working a full job with the park service how do you enjoy you know that beautiful environment of the national parks besides work camping so where are i mentioned some in the intro but uh, tell us about the places and how you discovered work camping in the first place 
Well, I did, you know, I'm a researcher, so I did a lot of research, you know, walk, watching shows like yours, reading some of the escapee news articles. Um, anytime I would come across someone, I would ask them, you know, where they've been and uh, just kind of made a list in my mind and on paper and went back and researched some of the places. Um, also looked at places I wanted to go and then would Google, you know, volunteer and sometimes things would come up. Heard about volunteer.gov, workcamping.com, CoolWorks, you know, just explored all of those and picked out the places I wanted to go. What kind of stuff have you done and where? My very first job was a volunteer at the National Park in the winter at Grand Canyon South Rim. And I was a volunteer with the National Park Service doing um, interpretive talks and working at the visitor center at Mather Point. And I kind of applied on a whim thinking, oh, there's all sorts of kids that are just out of college that have degrees that, you know, would be more interesting than mine for a National Park Service. But I got uh, the call and figured, well, this must be a sign it's time to retire. And I went ahead and did it and enjoyed it thoroughly. Tell us about your family a little bit and how all this came about, because you are a, a solo traveler at this point, I right? I am. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I guess I've always enjoyed traveling uh, out of college. I lived 10 years in Hawaii um, and then went to Iowa. And then um, I've just always enjoyed traveling. When I was growing up, we'd take Sunday drives. And that was always kind of a highlight of my week to take Sunday drives with my mom and dad and sister. And uh, they're both gone. I had actually started looking into road treks when my mom was um, ill, thinking that it would be kind of a traveling kennel while I was taking care of her because she couldn't have pets in her apartment. So, you know, uh, I had a golden retriever at the time and the golden retriever and my mother both passed before I started traveling. But that's kind of what got me researching this whole new lifestyle I knew nothing about. Uh, do you have a sticks and bricks place that you return to every year or are you on the road all the time? Um, I have no sticks and bricks. Um, my house sold in Wisconsin. And uh, after a couple of years, I heard about the Escapee Co-op Parks and put my name on a waiting list for that. So I have a RV lot that's rented out when I'm not there up in Chimicum, Washington, near Port Townsend. Do you have a route that you travel every year? No. Mm -mm. So um, right now you are in uh, at the back of a Cracker Barrel, you told me, in Tyler, yes. Texas. Yes. Uh, and I saw you two and a half, three weeks ago at one of our gatherings in Nashville, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. uh, where have you been and what are your plans? Where do you go from here? Well, I stayed longer in Nashville because I heard um, Garth Brooks was going to be at the Opry. So I went and saw Garth Brooks in a tribute. It wasn't he just did three songs, but still, that was that was a good thing. So I wanted to stay for that. I had also gone to an open mic in Leaper's Fork which I discovered when I came off the Natchez Trace totally by accident, this cute little town of Leapers Fork, mm -hmm. and uh, made reservations for the open mic there. So some of the um, destinations that attract me are music destinations, um, certainly national park destinations. I'm not a big hot weather person. Um, and I don't always go south for the winter because having a house in Wisconsin, Washington, to me is, you know, a piece of cake. So 
so tell us then you also do a lot of work camping so how do you balance the travel and the music festivals with work camping well pre-covid most of my time work camping prevented me from doing gatherings so i said once i get on social security and don't have to worry about you know a little bit more supplement than than i might otherwise i uh, decided to do some rallies and then i made my routes coincide with the routes of the rallies I wanted to attend. Yeah, the questions I get often from uh, people who will be a solo traveler is, uh, do you get lonesome? Do you get lonely for family or friends? Or after you've been doing this now for long enough that you probably have a network of friends all across North America. But talk about that loneliness part that a lot of people, that stops a lot of people from going. Well, I've been single most of my life, so I guess I'm, I'm used to being solo. You know, uh, uh, someone who has recently lost a husband or something, it might be a little more difficult for them. But I do have friends everywhere. In fact, right now I'm on my way to uh, visit a friend in near Dallas, and we're going on a cruise, and I met her work camping. So, uh, you know, I do have friends everywhere. I have, there's a solo road trekker group. I email them. Sometimes I'm planning solo gatherings with them and it just doesn't seem to be an issue. I always find something to do and I'm not afraid to like go to a concert by myself. So what are the advantage of work camping uh, and how does that help with uh, people who want to be on the road a lot? And uh, tell us about some of your, the favorite things that you do when you work camp. Well, it, you know, you were talking about loneliness. There's a sense of community, I think, among work campers. Um, in general, if you're, you know, just at your work camping location, but also kind of researching future work camping. And sometimes people will do work camping gigs together. Um, my friend that I'm seeing in Texas here is uh, someone that I wanted to go back and work a second time with in Medora at Medora Campground in Medora, North Dakota. So, you know, there's there's a nice community there that, you know, helps you keep from maybe getting lonely on the road and connecting for, you know, future adventures. I know that campground because I know the Medora uh, concert that they do every year, that uh, amazing uh, musical that they put on. And that campground is like, a stone throw from there. So yeah. uh, what, what do you do when you work up? You say, you, you know, there's all these different jobs that you can do. And I think when people think work camping, they think they're going to be cleaning out toilets. <laughs> I guess that's probably part of the job, but, yeah. but what are some of the other jobs that you have done? What's your favorite yeah. ones? A lot of people think campground host and I don't like doing campground host. I've known that I did it one time for a month just to help somebody out. But, you know, it, they kind of expect you to hang around the campground and I'm usually exploring the area when I'm not working. So, you know, it's not the best fit for me. Um, I'm not a big fan of cleaning restrooms. So volunteer centers are my favorite. It's a nice learning environment. Um, you also get to work with uh, multiple generations. Um, I enjoy helping people, you know, learn about the area as I'm learning myself and it's just, a fun thing to do. Um, you're on the road uh, pretty much full time. What about 
breakdowns. And these are the questions we get from people say, oh, I'd love to do it, but I don't have any mechanical abilities. Uh, talk about that a little bit, about life on the road and uh, how, how a solo person handles all those things. Are you mechanically inclined at all? Or have you had I to learn not. that? Or? <laughs> Yeah. I, uh, I'm a big believer in preventive maintenance. So I get everything checked out before I leave on a big trip. Um, you know, I didn't take, I, this is my second road trek. I had a 96, uh, 210 popular and it had 223 miles on it when I bought this one new and I knew I didn't want to drive that up to Alaska. So I waited to go to Alaska until I bought my new rig. And I guess the worst thing that's happened is in Medora, when I wasn't working there, before I started working there, um, my alternator went out when I was at the national park there at the Cottonwood campground and stopped at the little gas station there. And it's like, you know, Mayberry RFD, the sheriff's playing cards, you know, with the folks in the, in the little gas station. And they took me over to the shop and got a battery that would take me where I needed to go and made arrangements for um, a mechanic kind of out in the middle of nowhere to put in my alternator. So, you know, it's RV community is friendly. The people that, you know, are working in tourist destinations like that are friendly. Small town America, I love a small town America too. So. Yeah, it, it is great. What's your favorite thing about life on the road? Seeing new things all the time. Um, I'll have a route planned and I'll see something that looks of interest and it'll take me totally in a different direction. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a planner, but I'm serendipitous too. So That's, it's just stumbling across things like Leaper's Fork, you know, stumbling across that and that being such a wonderful music event for me was, you know, the highlight. Would you, uh, your advice to those who are considering uh, this lifestyle uh, of being either a full-timer or a solo traveler, what what advice would you give them based on all the, the experiences you've had now? Well, I'd say if, if you're hesitant, start close to home. Maybe go out with, you know, another friend or meet somebody in between. Um, when I first started doing this and was still working, I um, was on this was before Facebook on emails with some other single road trekkers that were in the Midwest. And we met up in Iowa. I came from Wisconsin. They came from Missouri. Three of us met up in Iowa. You know, it was, you can do it. Um, you really can. And you can Anything else you'd like to share about, about your experiences and your time out there? Well, the last couple of years I had two hips replaced and then COVID. So I've been chomping at the bit at the bit to get out and about and I, I'm, I've missed not traveling during those two years. So um, don't let anything stop you. Even, even some hips that need replacing, you can get that done and get out again. <laughs> and get back on the road. Well, it was a delight for Jennifer and I to meet you at uh, Nashville a couple of weeks ago. And I'm delighted now that we get to introduce you to our whole audience and, uh, we look forward to seeing you on the road again uh, sometime this year. I'm sure we will. All right. Thank you, Terry. Mm -hmm. Thank you. As, uh, as she notes, um, she wouldn't change a thing. And uh, I think that the experiences she had in the hospice where people said that they just waited and waited and waited to go off and do the things that they hoped to do. And sometimes time runs out before you can do it. So 
Good advice from Terry, and we thank her for being our guest on the podcast. If you know somebody that we we should talk to that you think would be a good interview in the podcast, by all means, send us a note. You can reach us at Mike and Jen at RVLifestyle.com. All right, when we come back, the RV news of the week. The one thing that can ruin a perfect RV trip is a bad mattress. And believe us, we know. Over the years, we've tried many and we have found them all wanting until now. Now, we sleep on the RV mattress by Brooklyn Bedding. Quite simply, it's the best we've ever slept on. We chose a queen-size Aurora Luxe medium firm mattress that arrived tightly rolled in a box. All we did was put it on the bed, unroll it, and wait for it to recover from the compression. Then we put on the sheets and the bed covers and found we slept so well that we ordered another one for our home. That's how comfortable it is. Our sleep is now so luxurious and deep that we can't imagine using a different mattress. Shipping is free. If you're disappointed with the current mattress in your RV, you owe it to yourselves to try the RV mattress by Brooklyn Bedding. Brooklyn Bedding sends out all of their RV mattresses from their own factory in Arizona. This means they're able to use premium materials at a reasonable price for you with no middleman bringing up the cost. Make sure to check out their Black Friday sale at the end of this month. It'll be their biggest deal of the year. Don't miss out on the best sleep of your life. Visit rvmattress.com slash rvlifestyle and hurry because once November's over, so are these incredible deals. Once again, that address is rvmattress.com slash rvlifestyle. And uh, if you go to that link, you can get an exclusive 25% discount on uh, the mattress using that uh, code RVLIFESTYLE. Uh, but that's not all. Be sure and explore all of their uh, sales during the month of November. They are going to be some of the biggest deals on RV mattresses that you'll find anywhere. And uh, trust us, we have just thoroughly enjoyed our uh, RV mattress from Brooklyn Bedding. They're just uh, our whole... RV experience and sleeping on the road is so much better with those awesome mattresses. So check, uh, they got the big sales in November and you don't want to miss out on those. Again, rvmattress.com slash RV lifestyle. All right, time now for the RV news of the week. And the first hunk of news is um, kind of the monthly sales delivery shipments, wholesale shipments uh, that the RV industry reports. And they've been reported, they report them every month and, and we'll often share some of them here in the podcast, but they noticed, uh, for example, that the latest one, which uh, covered the month of September, uh, showed sale, uh, showed uh, wholesale shipments were down 12.9% from September of 2022. But what really caught my eye was a line in that report that showed that RV shipments for the year are down 42.8% from last year. That is a big drop. Uh, now these uh, reports cover shipments of every kind of RV from uh, September 2023 to September 2022. It uh, gives year-to-date comparisons for them all. And every category of RV, whether it's a fifth wheel, a Class A, Class B camper vans, uh, a camper truck, uh, every one of those categories showed a major decline in wholesale shipments uh, from 2022. The biggest drop 
was travel trailers, which showed a 46.2% drop. And the type of RV with the smallest year-to-date decline in shipments was uh, the Class C motorhome, which only dropped 8.4%. Uh, we'll put a link to the entire report. You can check it there. Uh, what does this mean to you as an RV consumer? Well, it means you can probably get a better deal than you could have a year ago or two years ago during the big boom of RV sales after the COVID uh, uh, pandemic. Um, that means that it's probably now a buyer's market. Uh, it's well worth, uh, this is, a, you know, you want to buy low. And so prices are going to be a little bit low when they've got inventory that they would like to move. So that's good news for consumers. Uh, Yellowstone National Park. Uh, here it is. Uh, this podcast is being uh, released on uh, November 1st. Um, they're closing most of the entrances for the winter today, uh, Wednesday, November 1st. And I always report that with a little bit of sadness because it's kind of the, the true indication that winter is here and that the massive camping season uh, is sort of over. Uh, they close almost all of the roads except uh, really the, the, um, the, the ones from the north entrance, I think, and out by Mammoth, uh, by the, the, the big Mammoth uh, uh, campground out that way. Um, east, south, west entrances, uh, most of the roads in the park uh, closed to vehicular travel from November 1st. Uh, and uh, the north and northeast entrances uh, are still open so you can visit the park in the winter don't don't get me wrong but you just can't go all over the park um, and uh, the closed roads will open on december 15th for snowmobile traffic and then they, they have these snow coaches too yeah which are like sledded vehicles but uh, you can't bring yours your own in it's from uh, touring companies but uh so the snows are coming. Yellowstone is closed. Uh, we have a great book, by the way, on Yellowstone. One of our uh, travel guides, if you've never checked it, a seven-day adventure guide, and it really gives you uh, a suggested seven-day uh, stay at Yellowstone Park or nearby, what to see and what, how to plan your visit. And now's a good time to get it and plan for next year. We'll put a link for that in the show notes of this episode. And you can find the show notes, by the way, of all of our podcast episodes at rvlifestyle.com slash podcasts. Um, story out of Canada that's of interest, even though the kind of prime tourist season is now over up around Banff, uh, this is an important story for a lot of people that uh, access to all of the shorelines and all of the bodies of water in Canada's uh, Kootenay and Yoho National Parks, those are both near Banff, they're closed because of something called whirling disease that was recently discovered in fish. And I had never heard of this disease, um, but it showed up. Um, whirling disease is caused by some sort of a parasite and it can be fatal for some fish. Uh, it does. It isn't believed to harm humans, but it causes in fish skeletal deformities and uh, infected fish will swim in kind of a whirling pattern and hence the name uh, whirling disease. Well, Parks Canada uh, is closing the British Columbia National Parks waterways uh, to protect trout and salmon which live there. Uh, if that disease is not contained, experts say as much as 90% of the fish population there could be wiped out. Uh, 
so prohibited air, uh, activities include fishing, swimming, diving, wading, uh, using a boat, a paddleboard, any other vessel on the water. And they've also closed hiking, walking, and cycling within three meters of the water's edge. So it's a pretty serious thing. These closures are expected uh, to be in effect until March of 2024. RV Questions of the Week comes up right after this. When we're asked what's the most important modification we made to our RV, it's an easy answer. Battleborne batteries. Battleborne batteries are quality, safe, reliable lithium batteries that allow us to stay out there off the grid longer. Lithium batteries charge faster, they charge fuller, they're longer lasting, they're maintenance free. And battleborne batteries are protected by a 10 year guarantee. Now, in our case, they just dropped into the existing AGM batteries that we have. And they'll probably be the same on your rig too. Battleborne battery experts can get those in your rig just like they did with ours. They can also match you up with the right cabling, the inverter, the charger, the solar controller, everything. Jennifer and I swear by our Battleborne batteries. They allow us to boondock off the grid. Check them out. Go to rvlifestyle.com slash lithium. rvlifestyle.com slash lithium. Are you ready to embark on an unforgettable adventure in your RV? Our RV Lifestyle Travel Guide eBooks are your ultimate companions for exploring North America's most breathtaking destinations. They'll help you hit the road with confidence and make the most out of your RVing experience. We're Mike and Jennifer Wendland, and we are passionate explorers and the authors of an entire library of RV Travel Guide eBooks. We have meticulously put together detailed travel maps showing you the best routes, where to stay, what hidden gems to discover along the way. From the majestic Yellowstone National Park to the vibrant colors of Colorado, the awe-inspiring beauty of Utah, the enchanting deserts of Arizona, the tranquil Great Lakes region, the pristine wilderness of the Adirondacks, We've even done a captivating three-part guide to RV travel and camping in Florida. No matter where your wanderlust takes you, we've got you covered. Our curated list of must-see attractions ensures that you won't miss out on any unforgettable experiences. You want to witness the eruption of Old Faithful? We've got you covered. Craving an epic road trip through breathtaking landscapes? We've got the perfect route for you. Dreaming of beachside camping under the stars? We know the best spots. With our ebooks available for instant download at rvlifestyle.com books, you can have the knowledge you need right at your fingertips. Head over to rvlifestyle.com books and start exploring the wonders of North America today. Unforgettable adventures are waiting. All right, welcome back, everybody. Now it's time for the RV question of the week. And we love to answer your questions. We love to share your feedback. And you can reach us at Mike and Jen at RVLifestyle.com. And uh, please send us your notes, your questions, and uh, we'll do our best to answer them here on the podcast. This uh, this week's podcast comes from Douglas. And Doug sent us a message um, talking about uh, their but fairly new to the RV lifestyle. And he says that the biggest thing for him is uh, GPS and mapping. 
uh, as they try and plan their routes and alternate routes uh, when things are crowded in a certain area. And his comment to us was, good old-fashioned maps are hard to find. And uh, boy, he's right on that. I, I remember, I'm old enough to remember when you could get free maps at any gas station. Remember that? No, the only older people will remember that. I think uh, AAA Insurance for its members still has free maps of most of the states that you can get. Um, and of course, welcome centers uh, along the interstates, uh, the various state boundaries, just over the state boundaries, almost all the welcome centers have free maps that you can get. Um, but in these days of apps and GPS, there's no doubt that um, paper maps are harder to find. And I think they're, that every RVer should really carry them. Uh, we like to have paper maps and the first one that Jen and I uh, travel with is uh, a single map. It is a foldable map. I mean, it's big. It really unfolds huge. And it is of the entire country. I mean, it's just one map of the entire continental U.S. And uh, it's pretty amazing to, to that this map is, is, is there. We've bought and worn out, I think, three of them over the last 12 years, maybe even four, because we like to get them and we draw our maps on them, our routes, and we plan out showing a little legend how far 330 miles, which is what we try and keep our travels to. Uh, but we really like that map. Uh, for one thing, it allows you to see the entire country um, at once, and thus you can see your entire route all at once as you plot it out from whatever city you're departing to to your destination. And I just think that's really helpful. You, know, you get to, you just have a, you hold it in your hand and you can actually see and, and look around it. There's so much you can see in a map when you just, now this is a big map and we, you want, you want to have your reading glasses on to look at it, but it shows all of the interstate highways it shows uh, national park boundaries, uh, cities, points of interest, airports, uh, all that stuff. And it's very helpful. But uh, I also want to tell you, there's some other maps that we recommend. Uh, Amazon also will let you buy individual maps. And they're good uh, Rand McNally quality maps of each of the uh, different regions of the country. For Similar to that big one that folds out for the whole country, there's some that will fold out for the uh, central states, for example, or the western states. And you can get those if you want to have a little bit more detail on one map that shows everything. And they have individual state maps that you can also purchase on there. Uh, so if you know you're going to go through seven states and you want them, you could order those. It becomes a pretty good price, you know, if you have to buy $7.99 for every map. But uh, these are excellent maps. What I recommend instead of that is uh, the Rand McNally Large Scale Road Atlas. And it's a, it's a um, spiral-bound booklet-like, but it is large-scale, so you can really see everything. I think most states cover two pages on it, and it's very easy to carry all of that. It's got uh, all of the states. Uh, it's got extensive uh, mapping for Canada and Mexico as well. shows all of the national parks. Um, major metropolitan areas, so you can plot your way around them. Uh, the 2024 edition just came out, and I'll put a link to that also in the show notes for you. 
Uh, it's large scale because it's about a third larger than the traditional uh, spiral bound road atlases that you get. We just think that that extra th a third larger size makes it much easier to read. That one costs 23 bucks, I think. But still, it's uh, we buy that and we have the main foldable one, and that's that seems to be all all we need. And uh, we just really like having a paper map uh, backup, like our question uh, writer Douglas uh, mentioned. It's just very it gives you a sense of peace of mind, something about holding it and looking at it physically, you know, route. And the the way we use them in practical use most of the time is we may be on a freeway and suddenly there's a massive traffic jam so i'll quickly pull it out and uh, we'll look and we'll we'll plot if we can an alternate route around that we'll see well we can get off here we can pick up this state highway go this way and we've done that numerous times you can do some of that with gps but um you know gps is far from foolproof and having that paper map really does give you a I'd like to be able to see the whole picture at once and not have to be trying to drive and push screens. And same with Jennifer. Uh, she holds the map and does the navigating, and I just follow her directions. Anyway, we'll put links to all of these maps on the podcast show notes, uh, and you can find it at rvlifestyle.com slash podcasts, and then check that out. Okay, that's it for this week. Jennifer? I hope we'll be back with me next week. She's doing well. She thanks you for your thoughts and your prayers and the many well wishes that she got. It was a very traumatic week for us last week, but it's it's good to be back. We're not going to be able to do as much traveling for at least a month or maybe a little bit longer. And that kind of puts us up around um, really uh, Thanksgiving pretty much before we can we can get back on the road. But I've got about 10 videos I have to edit, and we've got some books to write, so we'll be plenty busy. We'll see you next week in the podcast. And uh, as my lifelong traveling companion, my bride Jennifer, always says, happy trails.